0: Hello and welcome to the Parent Perspective podcast brought to you by amazing apprenticeships and not going to uni and welcome to National Apprenticeship Week 2023. I'm Rachel Burden and this is the podcast that gives you parents and carers everything you need to know to help your children make the right choices after leaving school. We talk about everything from apprenticeships to T levels to work experience, funding and support for young people. In this special episode to mark the start of National Apprenticeship Week, I'm joined by Anna Morrison once again from Amazing Apprenticeships and our guest today is the newly appointed, reappointed Minister for Skills, Apprenticeships and Higher Education, Robert Halfen. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hi. Lovely to be
1: on your podcast.
0: Mr Halfen welcome to The Parent Perspective and I say reappointed because this is a brief you've had previously, isn't it?
1: Uh, Yes, I was lucky to do apprenticeships and skills between 2016 and 2017, and it's been my passion in politics. In fact, my first ever speech when I got elected to the House of Commons in 2010 was about promoting apprenticeships in schools. So it's wonderful to be on this podcast and I really congratulate amazing apprenticeships and also not going to uni for all that you do.
0: So what do you know about the current state of opportunities for children leaving school at 16 in the country at the moment, given that you've had a bit of a break officially from being involved at a ministerial level?
1: Well, there are incredible opportunities for people to do apprenticeships. We have a conversation about apprenticeships in our country uh, that we haven't done for many years. And I doubt there would have been a podcast like this uh, um, years and years ago even if podcasts had existed then or equivalents and nowadays you can do an apprenticeship in almost every subject so you've got the traditional crafts that people are more familiar with but you have also can do an apprenticeship in engineering in nursing in journalism in legal uh, le- in lawyer and legal work you can do an apprenticeship in policing and the ministry of defense apprentices uh, the postgraduate teaching apprentices they're teaching assistant apprenticeships they're apprenticeships in all walks of life and you have uh, hundreds of colleges and providers offering to train those apprentices there's thousands of employers who have apprentices we've had something like over five million apprentices since as uh, who started since 20 since 2010 so it's an incredible opportunity for people to climb that ladder of opportunity because uh, you you, you earn while you learn. I mean, it's a no brainer. There's no student debt to worry about, no student loan. You get a good skill and 90% plus of apprentices who complete get a good job at the end.
0: Anna, is that fair to say then that the big picture looks good, that there have never been so many different options for children leaving school?
2: Definitely, definitely. And I think with apprenticeships, as Robert has set out, you know, the range and breadth of apprenticeships across the different levels is really exciting. And when we hear announcements like the doctor degree apprenticeship coming through and being approved, you know, this is, these are game changing opportunities now for individuals. It's not only apprenticeships, the technical education landscape is really exciting as well. And we're seeing the, the real evolution and of T levels uh, as well as an option. And T levels sit really nicely as a post-16 option for some young people to then act Essentially, as a pre apprenticeship. So they could go from a T level, sorry, into an apprenticeship um, and then progress their career that way. So I think it is exciting I think we've got a job on our hands to help everyone to feel confident in navigating all of these options though so uh, that's not just parents and carers it's young people themselves it's teachers it's anyone who's involved in that decision making process helping them to know what's out there and how they can access it when they can access it and and kind of feel really confident in their knowledge.
0: Well that's kind of part of the gap that we try and fill on this podcast isn't it Um, Mm and Robert, do you think there is still a perception problem with apprenticeships among some families, some parents? Or do you think we're over that
1: kind of snobbery now? Well, interestingly, um, skills and FE and apprenticeships have always been called the Cinderella sector in education. And this came up in the House of Commons the other day. And I said to the person who said this, that let's remember that uh, Cinderella became a member of the royal family. And we should banish the two ugly sisters of snobbery and under-resourcing. And we're actually, I think, as a government, going trying to do trying to do that. Um, I think there has been snobbery and complete misunderstanding about what an apprenticeship is um, in the past. Um, before, before we introduced these things called standards, which in essence is the qualification an apprenticeship gets, um, there was a misunderstanding about it, like. So like people used to say to me, I had somebody for a few weeks in the summer and they would think that would be an apprenticeship. That's really changed because they have to um, pass the what's called an apprenticeship standard now um, in order to complete their apprenticeship. And there's proper end point assessments and all these kind of things. I think there's a long way to go, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think there is snobbery out there. I think a lot of people don't understand um, how valuable skills are. I think we're too focused on Oxbridge and things like that in this country. And I've always said that, you know, the way I look at it is if people are at a dinner and a young person might say, I went to Oxbridge, nowadays people say, oh, that's wonderful. What did you do? What I want uh, to happen, I know we will really have changed things is if you have that kind of dinner, and someone says, I went to Oxbridge, so that people say, well, that's nice. And then somebody says, I've done an apprenticeship. Everyone goes, wow, that's incredible. What are you doing it in? Are you doing it in journalism? Are you doing it in, uh, are you a doctor? apprenticeship? How did you do it to give, give me advice? Cause I'd like to do one. And when we have that conversation, then we'll know that things have really changed. But I do think we are talking about apprenticeships and skills in a way that we've never done. When I first did it in my maiden speech in 2010, people looked at me and said, why are you on earth? Are you going on about this? And yet nowadays we have, um, you know, the National Apprenticeship Week. Um, We have podcasts like this. We have, um, you know, as I said, over 5 million apprentices um, um, over the last uh, well, since 2010. So things are changing. There's a long way to go.
0: Yeah, I wonder how many in the current government came through an apprenticeship scheme certainly i know a few came through oxbridge um but it would be nice to see that change in all walks of life wouldn't it in in, in the future i know you've previously said your two favorite words in the dictionary are degree apprenticeships is that right tell us why
1: well, they are degree apprenticeships. is the most incredible uh, thing they came in 2014 15 roughly around that time and what because there is this Um, you know the problem we have in this country is people say either university or um, or apprentices now when I grew up uh, my father who was an immigrant to this country came here with nothing and uh, worked hard to get me into school and 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 so on he said it's university 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 and uh, a lot of people still feel like that that if you want to achieve in life you have to go to university And what this does is it combines um, university and skills. So if you do a degree apprenticeship, you get a little bit of a university experience, but the bulk of your time is spent in a company or organization doing that degree apprenticeship. And so you, uh, but the beauty of it, uh, and I mentioned this at the beginning a little bit in terms of apprenticeship in general, there's no debt, no student loan. You earn while you learn, degree apprentices earn decent money. We know that the average um, earnings for a level six apprentice um, after completion is about, I think, £34,500. Uh, so you earn while you learn, no debt, you get a brilliant job at the end. And I've been all over the country meeting the most incredible degree uh, of apprenticeships um, and apprentices. Uh, so I think it is a no brainer. It's one way which we can both encourage people to do higher education, higher levels. Um, but also those students who want a bit of a university experience get that. You get the best of both worlds.
0: But do we have enough of them? Because I know the application process is incredibly competitive and the range at the moment of degree apprenticeships on offer is somewhat limited, isn't it?
1: I think we've had over 140,000 since 2014-15 and there was 43,000 in the last over the past academic year. So it's growing I mean, I went to Exeter University. Um, As I said, I didn't even know what an apprenticeship was when I was growing up. My father never mentioned it to me. It was all about you have to go to university. And but the most incredible thing I have done as MP was being invited to Exeter University to speak at their degree apprenticeship ceremony. Now this is quite a traditional University Exeter. And yet they were doing a degree apprenticeship ceremony for hundreds and hundreds of students who had passed in all kinds of different subjects, students from all over the country. And I just thought to myself, well, things are really changing. If a traditional university like Exeter is doing that, inviting me to speak as well, um, um, things are looking up. And we're trying to really encourage more degree apprenticeships. I've recently sent out a letter to every vice chancellor trying to encourage this, and we're trying to sort of sweep away some of the bureaucracy as well, because there is there are regulations, some of them necessary, some perhaps less so. So I'm doing everything I can, there's a lot of funding going in, so there's eight million pounds alone just going in at the current time to support degree apprentices, um, So and that's separate to the uh, 2.7 billion pound apprenticeship money that we'll spend by 2025. So um, I, there's more we can do, but um, it's very exciting what
0: is happening. Anna, can you just shed some light on that, the sort of range of degree apprenticeships that are currently available?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, there are literally hundreds. And, um, but to pick out some of the top ones that I think grab people's attention where previously you may have expected to need to follow that traditional full time education route through university. So um, becoming a solicitor through an apprenticeship. Um, An architectural assistant, which is a degree level apprenticeship. We've got doctor um, and that's really exciting what Health Education England and the NHS are trying to do around the doctor degree apprenticeship. And this links a lot with um, opportunities for families and young people and individuals for whom perhaps studying to become a doctor just would have been out of their reach because it's it's years and years of study and investment and the finances and to think that that now could be an opportunity for hundreds of individuals to be able to access that career path is incredible and police constable economist um we've got paramedic laboratory scientist all sorts of engineering roles the range is huge and i guess We haven't got enough time today to go through all of them, but my plea would be if you think you can't get there through an apprenticeship route, I would just challenge you to go and do your research and have a look, because if it's not available now, you might see that it's in development. So there's lots of employers and sector bodies looking at new apprenticeships all the time.
1: Right. So just to say, I think there's 150 Um, degree apprenticeship occupations level six and level seven so 150 different pathways that you can choose from to uh, become a degree apprentice
0: and and just looking at that number Robert have you got any sort of specific target in mind in terms of expanding the opportunities whether it's the number of apprenticeships available per se or the range of sectors involved
1: well I want to um, increase apprenticeships across the board at every level um, and we're, we had a bit of a dip, if I'm sh- uh, honest with you, during the COVID years in terms of starts, but that in the, over the past year it's gone up by 8.6% the number of apprentices. So that is good news. There's a lot of work we're doing to try and make sure there are, there are more starts, and um, hopefully we'll be able to make some uh, announcements over the coming uh, uh, month, uh, weeks and months. Um, and we're giving incentives to employees you know for example small businesses we pay 95 percent of the training costs that isn't known if you're a small business and you have less than 50 people uh, and you employ a 16 year old for example 16 to 18 we pay um, um, all the all the training costs and we also give the employer and the provider a thousand pounds just to try and encourage the same with apprentices from significantly disadvantaged backgrounds, like who may be on education, healthcare plans uh, as well. And in terms of degree apprentices, we're looking at that all the time because uh, I speak to universities, I speak to businesses just to try and get ideas about how we can encourage even more universities to offer. Because not every university does, but it isn't just down to the university, it's down to the employer as well. And that's uh, that's really important. So we're working very close with the businesses, particularly the levy payers, because they're very big businesses can do uh, a well placed to do degree apprentices to look at how uh, we can encourage them to do these high levels as well.
2: Um, And I think when we're talking about the levels of apprenticeships, it's really important to talk about the other levels as well. Level two, level three, level four. Um, And I think sometimes when we're working in this space, we see teachers, careers, advisors, young people, their families kind of really aspiring for degree apprenticeships, which is fantastic. But in reality, the majority of vacancies that we see advertised are at the other levels. And I'm an SME. We employ apprentices, and to date, we've brought apprentices in at level three, because that's been right for our organisation. So advanced apprentices that, um, and that linked with the job role that they're performing. And then, should they, you know, complete successfully, and I really hope they do, then perhaps progress onto a degree apprenticeship. And that's not a backward step at all for someone leaving school, or even someone who's already in the workplace. Um, who may want to start at that level and then progress through and I just uh, yeah we see a lot of kind of fixation on you know I want to get an apprenticeship but I want a degree apprenticeship and I just feel we need to balance that message with families about what's out there.
1: I think 70 percent of starts last year were level two and level three and I want everyone to do apprenticeship and level but I'd like to see progression as well so when somebody does a level two they go on to level three and ideally they do a level three and level four but you're absolutely right we need to encourage apprentices across the board
0: well that's a key point actually when we talk about success rate within apprenticeship schemes and the data that came out last year showed that the achievement rate was around 57.7 percent clearly there's a lot of room for that to improve so what would you see as your Target, Robert. Do you have one in mind, or how do we address that? Oh, so,
1: um, that is a really important question. So it's also, first of all, to look at that achievement rate, what happens sometimes is an apprentice, or would-be apprentice, might start, but then might be offered a job by the employer. So if that apprentice doesn't complete, that's class as a non-achievement, even though that apprentice may have a job. So there are different reasons and why there is a target that we've got that we want to reach 67% of apprentices, uh, just over two thirds of apprentices completing by uh, 2025. But it is important to note that well over 80% of apprentices and employers are satisfied with their apprenticeship, according to all these surveys and the career prospects. And I also mentioned those apprentices who do complete, 92% of those apprentices who do complete their apprenticeship get a good job, um, often in the company they've done in their apprenticeship with. That's usually the case. Or go on to serious further training or additional education. We're also tried to raise quality. So we've asked all the apprentice providers to re-register with the Register of Apprentices. We've got Ofsted inspecting all apprentice providers by 2025. We've got we've introduced new in, early intervention to help both the employer and the uh, provider and the apprentice all the way through the apprenticeship so, so to make sure if there are any problems that they can be ironed out early on.
0: So Anna can you um, give us any feedback you've had as to why apprentices leave their programmes?
2: Yeah, there was some, some data that was published last year, actually, the Department for Education had done a bit of uh, research and surveyed just over 500 apprentices on their reasons for not staying and completing their apprenticeship. And as Robert has said, it's not always for negative reasons. You know, we might look at that percentage and kind of go, oh, there's room for improvement. But often, they you know, very often there could be individuals who have taken on a, an enhanced role, who have changed position, and that apprenticeship is no longer fit for what they're doing in that position. And um, it could even be, we, I've worked with one provider where a lot of their apprentices um, complete their apprenticeship or get near to completion and then decide to progress on full time university and the timings just don't work out. There are also some clear flags that come out actually for some individuals where balancing working full time and studying on a, an apprenticeship is, is not the easy option. And I think perhaps if we look at apprenticeships 10, 15 years ago, they were nowhere near as rigorous and robust as we've got now. I think they're more demanding. I certainly see that as an employer, the work that my apprentices put in, that um, those off the job hours that they put in, are real, hours. You know, we see that in the business. They need to put that time in during their working week. And and so sometimes there can be pressures of balancing working, often full-time, and studying and undertaking the apprenticeship. And and so, yeah, there can be things that we need to look at in terms of support. I know the sector's doing a lot on initial assessment as well to try and really make sure that we're getting the right learners on the right programmes and giving them every chance of success.
0: Let's talk then about um, giving everyone every chance of success talk about some of the more vulnerable young people that you work with care leavers um when you robert were chair of the education select committee you highlighted that just two percent of care leavers were doing apprenticeships last year just 350 of care leaver apprenticeship bursaries were claimed again there's some work to be done there isn't there
1: there is. And we are doing that. It's a passion of mine. I want uh, the, one of the key reasons I believe in apprentices is because I've always seen it as a route for disadvantage to climb up the ladder of opportunity. And I way back in 2000 and it was either 2008 or nine. I wasn't even an MP. I was just a parliamentary candidate. And I went into a building to meet some would be apprentices from disadvantaged backgrounds or working with a charity. I think it was Catch-22. And they were saying they just didn't have the opportunities to do it, couldn't find the ads anywhere on the Internet or had to travel far too far other sides of the country to get any kinds of interviews. And I literally left that building uh, saying, if I get elected to Parliament, I would make it my mission to champion apprenticeships. And so we are doing more in terms of care leavers. We We had a very exciting announcement, which is that we're tripling the bursary from 1,000 to 3,000 pounds. This is something I uh, wanted to do since I got to the post in early, early November. We're hoping to double the number of care leaver apprentices starts by, academic, by the academic year. So that's by uh, 2024, 2025. And on top of that, we are paying businesses, every business gets paid 1,000 pounds if they take on a care leaver. Every provider, so that's an independent provider or an FE college, gets paid a £1,000. Um, I, I I want to see what, you know, we, the virtual heads who have a big role, um, what work they can do to encourage and mentor care leavers in, in their charge to um, take on apprentices. And we're also doing a lot of work on careers, uh, because it's not just about finance, it's about telling people. And As a backbencher, I championed what was called the Baker Clause, and what that means simply is that uh, young people in in key years have uh, two encounters at least a year, so that's six encounters with either an apprenticeship or skills organisation. We've got the Ask programme, which uh, of course Anna knows all about, uh, reaching over uh, 2.3 million students over the past few years, an incredible programme, but I'm doing everything possible to strengthen careers advice. Uh, for disadvantaged um, students but also across the board because that will be the best way and it goes back to some of your earlier questions about encouraging parents to take to, to get their kids to take up apprenticeships as well.
0: I want to address that as well um, across the board parental support in just a moment but Anna will that kind of investment in the care leaver bursary and, and beyond for care leavers will that be enough to make a difference? I think it's a really good step in the right direction. I'm really pleased
2: that um, we're seeing that increase in the bursary. And we work a lot with care leavers, care experienced young people. And when we're trying to support them into apprenticeships, very often, you know, once we've raised their awareness, and Robert is quite right, there's a lot of work to do there to let them know what apprenticeships are and how they can access them. But then once they do, um, if they are living independently, salary and finances are a huge factor for them. So that increase in the bursary could really make the difference between individuals ruling out or ruling in apprenticeships. Um, So it's very exciting. We've got to make sure the wraparound support is there as well. So um, we've worked a lot in this space and obviously it's not just the individual, it will be the training provider and the employer and those working day to day with that apprentice being really mindful of the situation and that that individual may have come from some of their additional support needs that they may have throughout the program and the flexibility that's going to need be needed to be built in and with all of that support and you know that huge investment from everyone kind of buying into this to hopefully make sure that that individual can stay on their program and achieve and progress
0: so that is some good news Let's continue to look at finances and particularly relevant in the current cost of living pressures that so many people are experiencing. Um, If you have a 16 or 17 year old who wants to do an apprenticeship, their child benefit stops. Now, is that something that needs to be reviewed? Because employers and trainers, Robert, tell us this is one of the reasons families often withdraw their children from apprenticeship programmes.
1: Uh, These are are difficult um, issues because also there are genuine pressures on the public on public spending which we know about and the government has to walk down three very difficult roads which is spending money on education and skills dealing with our debt so we can cut inflation um, and helping people spending billions of pounds on the cost of living Um, so they're not easy 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 decisions so of course child benefit um, is given to 16 to 19 year olds to support uh, continuing education, but don't forget the wages of apprenticeships are worth much more. And students who are just pure students, not doing apprenticeship, they're not earning any money at all. We've increased um, last year, we increased the apprenticeship minimum wage by 11%. This year, we're increasing it by 9.7%. Um, it's worth noting that the medium um, so the average apprenticeship pay is way above the apprenticeship minimum wage, so it's uh, just under £10 because most employers offer more than um, the uh, so we're not able to offer that child benefit at this point in time. But I do think, as I say, um, there is the uh, the apprentice wages um, that uh, these these young apprentices are getting.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. But I suppose if the reality of the situation is that parents are saying this doesn't work for us, then it's no good just kind of completely putting that to one side you have to in some way do you not look at that and see whether there are any options or you know tailing it off in some way so it's less of a a shock for families who are very reliant on that kind of benefit
1: well look I'll always look at these things but I can't just uh, give you an answer today uh, today on this I want to everything possible to have disadvantaged people doing apprentices but also being fair to the the taxpayer as well and the important thing is these apprentices are earning money which other people doing academic courses are not or um fe FE courses or t levels and and so on so this is not easy but of course i i I take some of this back and discuss it with with officials and um, but i can't make a promise today about child benefit
0: The other thing, just just in general terms, is the utmost importance of apprenticeships in certain sectors to stimulate growth, particularly if we're looking forward to different ways to exploit tech opportunities, green industry, sustainable industry opportunities. Apprenticeships are likely to be the bedrock of all of that, aren't they? So ultimately, the investment that you put into them now will pay back dividends.
1: Uh, absolutely right and i think over 300 apprentice so there's about over 600 apprenticeship standards as the qualifications and i think over 300 of those are related to stem in one way or another um and we're doing everything possible by the way not just in apprenticeships but in t levels um we've rolled out these um colleges called institutes of technologies around the country There's 12 already There's going to be 21 Altogether, that's 290 million pounds being spent, which are focusing on digital skills and STEM and green skills. We've got T levels related to green skills. We've got these new qualifications uh, called higher technical qualifications, which are sort of T level plus, but level four and level five, they're related to STEM subjects as well. So we're doing everything possible to make sure that we meet the needs of the what what's called the fourth Industrial revolution because you know the world is going to change with artificial intelligence and, uh, and uh, science technology, uh, engineering math. so all these uh, are going to be incredibly important subjects and you're right, you're absolutely right. they'll lead the green Revolution as well.
0: What is the one thing that you would personally like to achieve for, for post-16 education training opportunities? What, what should we measure your success by?
1: I would like to um, increase um, the number of starts and achievements for people doing apprentices. I'd like, it may not be literally possible, but I'd like to know that every young person who had the right qualification who wanted to do an apprentice, apprenticeship could get one. I would also like to transform the way we uh, um, further, we're doing some good things, but transform careers in our schools and colleges. Because if we do that, it will have a knock on effect and it will mean that millions of young people will realise how incredible uh, an apprenticeship is and how transformative it is. And so um I think that if I can do something on careers and improve starts and completions, um, I'll be happy by the um by the end of my time in, in office, whenever that may be.
0: And you say increase the number of starts. Have you got a target in mind?
1: Well, I'm I'm I have given you some targets today. You know, I said we want to go to 67% of apprenticeship achievements by 2025, but I'm wary of too many targets um but i just want to increase the number of starts significantly and i think that will if i can make a difference in that that we have apprentices all over the country progressing doing starting off of level two level three as anna has talked about and moving on to higher apprenticeships doing lots of the other qualifications that we've introduced like the tea, amazing t levels and h higher technical qualifications um i think um we'll be in a good place
0: Anna, do you think that that sounds bold enough as an ambition?
2: Oh, definitely, definitely. I was just thinking, as if I put my parent hat on um, and Robert's point about careers advice. And, you know, I think there is this so much good work going on in secondary schools that we're seeing at the moment around careers. I'm a mother of a daughter in primary school and I've got a six year old and already we are having conversations about careers because, and she may talk about university and college and apprenticeships, of course, as part of her kind of dialogue. But you know, I'd love to to know what your ambitions might be, Robert, for careers advice or careers information, really, and getting that into primary schools and to see oh, if we can. And the good news,
1: we just announced in uh, Christmas uh, a fantastic primary school spending millions of pounds, uh, focused on schools in disadvantaged areas to begin with. Um, to um, ensure that primary school pe- pupils have an encounter with um, companies and organisations and real careers experience. So that's really exciting. I absolutely believe that this has to be done from primary school onwards, because I mean, re- all the stats show that if children of a very young age have encounters like this with companies, um, it really makes a difference later on. Um, so we're trying to do it all the way through from from uh, primary school to secondary school and and the ASK program and so on will make a huge difference as well.
0: So finally, Robert Halford, do you have any plans for
1: National Apprenticeship Week? Yes, I'm very excited um, because I am doing a tour all over the country. And uh, so I'm going to be um, in the North and in the South, visiting companies, visiting colleges, uh, meeting apprentices almost every day. I, I'm a massive Tolkien fanatic and I'm very excited because I think I'm meeting apprentices from the rings of Power Amazon st- uh, Studios at some point in the in the week. Uh, so that's going to be great. And uh, I end at uh, uh, my in my constituency meeting apprentices in Harlow College. Um, so uh, it's going to be a great week. I wanted to make sure it was outside London, that not just doing uh, because we do so much in London every 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 day so uh, and uh, I really look forward to it and I encourage everyone to get involved in National Apprenticeship Week and it's a real chance it's one of the best chances we have all year to encourage more people to take up an apprenticeship.
0: Thank you so much for your time uh, here on the Parent Perspective podcast and uh, good luck. Thank you. So that was Robert Halfen who's Minister for Skills Apprenticeships and Higher Education very excited about National Apprenticeship Week Anna, what did you make of what he told us? Is there anything in particular you'd pull out, you're excited by? Yeah, I think that was a great
2: conversation. And I love hear, hearing from Robert because I think his authentic passion really comes through. He believes in apprenticeships and he wants to support the sector to help things to improve. And that, that's how I feel. And um, and that's the sense I'm getting. I think I was really excited about the care leaver bursary being increased i think that's a huge step in the right direction and not one that i, I think we were expecting you know with, with how things have been recently and politically we've all been waiting to see what might be done in the apprenticeship space particularly for disadvantaged young people so really excited to hear about that i'm thrilled that he's agreed to look at the child benefit issue just this- about well, yeah, I mean, brilliant, brilliant probing, but look, even to get it looked at and to have that discussion brought back to the table is a really important one. And because you can't
0: that pretend that that's not an issue for families. Absolutely. It is. There's no point I'm just turning your back to it.
2: Completely. And the big problem is it's not reported on. So we don't have the data. We don't have data for those young people who have been offered an apprenticeship and then their parents have said, you're not doing that because that we can't afford that. Um, it's not captured anywhere. If we could show the impact that that had had over the last well, 25 years for me working in the sector, you know, it would be really significant. So even if we all we get out of this is perhaps a capturing of data to see how bad the problem is over the next year, that would be great for the sector, even better if they might look at some solutions like the tailing off, like you said, so that it's not such a huge change to the family finances or those household finances. I I think he was kind of as expected in terms of the improving quality, increasing achievement rates. Um, I'm really impressed how he's across the brief, He you know, and obviously he's done this role before, but he's up to speed. I, I think he's
0: an exciting skills minister for us to have. Well, there's no doubt he has genuine passion around yeah. it. He's made some commitments. He's expressed ambitions about what he wants to do. And that, in a sense, gives... People like yourself, Mm. parents, people who work in education and in industry, something to 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 look at and review, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's in 12 months time, 18 months time, so we can see where whether the government is is coming good on those promises and and commitments, Um, and that is a really useful starting point. And we will come back and, of course, uh, look back at this in the months to come. Uh, But for the time being, that's it from Anna and myself. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Parent Perspective. If you've got any questions or comments, anything you want to say at all, you can find us on social media. It's at AmazingAppsUK or at NotGoingToUni and use the hashtag ParentPerspective.